Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We've been talking around this subject of preparing a dwelling place, and I want to get right into it today, preparing a dwelling place. Let's get your Bibles out if you've got them. We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. We get excited because we believe it is the foundation of our lives. So Mount Carmel, North City, Carlinville, E. Rhodes family, come on, let's open our Bibles, get excited. Exodus 29, woo! Exodus chapter 29. While you're turning there, just pray and invite Jesus to speak. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, just bring life to the word. Breathe on it, Lord, that it be more than just a sermon or a message. But God, I pray that it be truth in our hearts. We bind every distracting voice, every lying voice, as Randall said, and we just receive the truth of your voice. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen with me. Amen. amen. Preparing a dwelling place. It's what we've been talking about, and, and today's special day, just because it's the beginning of 2022 for us as far as the first Sunday, and every year, at the beginning of the year, we do something uh, that I, I'm just always surprised that people are excited about it more and more every year of our time of prayer and fasting. And yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. There was three people. I'll pay you your $20 later. But we set aside... The first 21 days of the year, we started doing this many years ago, and we do it to set ourselves apart to seek the face of Jesus more. It's not to, we're going to pray and fast to get God to do something, it's to get ourselves in a position to see and hear what he's doing. It's not moving God, it's moving us, and that's the goal behind fasting. Jesus didn't say fast if you want to, he said when you fast. He didn't say pray when you want to. He said when you pray. So we decided to give the first of the year, and we built it around Sundays. I believe it's significant this year. Sometimes we've gone the actual first day through the 21st day. This year, we're doing it the second because it's 1-2 of 22 through 1-22 of 22. So the fast is going to end on January 22nd, 2022, as far as our prayer and fasting time. But we want to make it about more than just a time. We want it to be something where we're reevaluating and uh, what's important to us, setting something down so that we can pick up something. You know, when fasting is about, uh, sometimes people misconstrue what fasting is and they get thinking about it, it's just saying no to something. And, you know, and you, you've been around this long enough and you hear the, the discouraging voices, usually about, you know, what are you fasting and what am I fasting? And we get our focus around what we're giving up. And I realize there's a certain application to that. But prayer and fasting is not about what I say no to as much as it is what I say yes to instead. If you don't have a yes, then your no is going to wear you out. You have to have a yes that you say, I could do that, but I choose to do this instead. I could eat that if I want to, but I choose to eat more of this instead. You have to have a yes. Too many people are walking around with just a, a no mentality, and that's just called deprivation. Deprivation does not lead to holiness. That's religion. Religion says if you do without this, this, and this, or don't do this, this, or this, then therefore you will be good. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Relationship is about what I say yes to, not about what I say no to. 
When I say yes, I will be saying no, but the emphasis is not on the no, it's on the yes. Are you following me? So prayer and fasting is we want you to seek the face of God and find out what you want to say yes to, what you want to lay down. Biblical fasting is saying no to food because we're saying yes to more of Jesus. You know, we've Americanized fasting. We talk about it all the time, so much so that people come up with their own wild fasting thing. But the Bible teaches fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. You know, you can do without. If you want to do without Facebook, that's great. That's a wonderful discipline. That's not fasting. Don't say I'm fasting Facebook. No, you're turning it off for a little while. That's a wonderful discipline. But fasting is truly abstaining from some type of food for a spiritual purpose. You're like, why aren't you being a little stickler? I'm just trying to teach the Bible. It's just what the Bible says. Again, we can make it think what we want. So, But I'm just saying somewhere in your life, make some concession where you're saying, God, I choose you more than this thing. So whether you want to do it or not, it's totally up to you. My job is just to lead us into it and to lead us into something that Jesus calls us to. Fasting is a time of offering something precious to us on the altar to Jesus to say that he is more important than anything else. Fasting is laying something on the altar that is important to us, precious to us. You know, you, well, I'm going to fast, you know, Brussels sprouts. Well, that may not be the best idea to fast Brussels sprouts. It may not be precious to you. Somebody between services told me, I like Brussels sprouts. That's good. I do too. But I'm not using that as part of my fast. But, I, but something precious to us. And again, if you're like me, <laughs> since I'm in charge, if you will, of this whole thing, my flesh starts to negotiate. I wrote this down. Our flesh doesn't like to die, and it is a master negotiator. My flesh is a master negotiator. Oh, it's very good. It is skilled in the art of negotiation. And it usually starts around mid-December when my flesh starts telling me, you don't need to do that. Stop starving your people and let them eat. The kingdom of heaven is about abundance and marriage supper of the lamb and lamb and all that. So my flesh always starts, you know what, maybe you need to shrink it down and just not make it so long. It's just so long and just, why don't you just do it for seven days? That's what he tried with me this year. This year he said, hey, something different, why don't you just do it seven days and more people will participate. That sounds Right. Any way we can pacify our flesh and make it where it doesn't have to die as much, we love it. Here's another negotiating voice you will hear. Well, you're only doing that because Chad said to, and that's not the right spiritual motive. So you don't need to do that with the wrong motive. Or you could change your motive and do it for Jesus, and crucify your flesh. But we'll, we'll weasel out of it, you know. Like, well, in my life, in my world, my, my job, it's different from everyone else when he wrote the Bible and said, when you fast. He wasn't thinking about your job or my job. Again, I don't say that to be condescending. I'm just saying... God's wanting us to grow into a relationship where we're pursuing him and getting away from religious excuses, getting away from the flesh. Jesus is coming for our flesh, and it's the best thing we can do is just die. Just, ah, yes, Lord, I die to that. 
So that's why we're entering into prayer and fasting again, not just about deprivation and killing ourselves figuratively, our flesh, but about what we're pursuing. We are pursuing the face of Jesus at the Rhodes Church. We want to encounter his presence more. We want to prepare a dwelling place for God where he doesn't just hang out in this room. He hangs out in our hearts and goes with us wherever we go. But I want a dwelling place of God so much so that when people walk into the room, they fall under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want to be something that as we worship, he says, oh, I love it. I got to go, I got to go be a part of that. And he manifests. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. And that does not come without sacrifice. I'm going to teach today out of Exodus chapter 29. And at the end of this, we won't get to it today. I already learned that lesson in the first service. But his focus is I want to meet with you and dwell with you. We're preparing a dwelling place for the Lord. But I want you to see what comes first before he comes to dwell. The part, everybody wants Jesus to come and dwell. They want to be in the presence of God, but they don't want to do the first part. And we're committing as the Rhodes Church, we're going to do the first part. Are you with me? Some of you are not because you don't know what the first part is, and that's okay. It's all right. All right, let's read uh, chapter 29, and we'll start with verse 38. Thank you, Jesus. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Let's just break that down. I want to teach the Bible for a little bit today because I want to see what God... This is called the daily offerings or a.k.a. the burnt offerings. And some people, you know, we're talking about breaking this down in the Old Testament and some people will say, uh, listen, don't, don't focus on the Old Testament. We just need to focus on the New Testament. You know, if you're listening to a pastor that's talking to you saying the Old Testament is not relevant, stop listening to that pastor. I'm a little bold on that. But people is trying to take the Old Testament and say it is not relevant to our life. This is absolutely relevant. Everything about this that we're going to study today points to Jesus. Your whole Bible points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So this is what you shall offer on the altar. Notice what it says, you shall offer on the altar. The word offer there means to make, to do, to carry out, to perform a course of action. It is a verb. So we're talking about worship. We're talking about offering something. It's not something that he comes and takes from us sovereignly. It's something that we offer him willingly. Worship is about what we offer him, not about what we want him to take from us. True worship is something we offer of our own volition. It's an action. It's something you do. What are we offering Jesus what are we offering in worship? What are we coming to give him? When you come to church, don't come to receive. Come to give. Come to give him worship. Come to give him praise. Worship is not about us, our comfort, or our preference. It is about his worthiness. Offering something to God. When you come to offer worship to God in church, practically speaking, this is not offering worship to Jesus. That's not offering anything. I'm not being critical. I'm just teaching. Now, everybody's idea of worship may not be the same as far as how you express it, and everybody's on different levels of this, but I'm saying if you've been in church 25 years and this is still your position during worship, you need to mature out of that. 
because it's still about us. It's still about what I'm comfortable with. I'm just not comfortable with. It's not about what I'm comfortable with. It's what he's worthy of. I never used to be a hand raiser. Some people might come in and say, well, that's just easy for you. I never, I did not raise my hands. I didn't do that. That's where weird people did that. I'm too tall, I said. It's distracting to people behind me. They can't see. I'm serious. That's what the, we used to go through my head. Well, Chad, you don't need to do that. You're blocking people behind you. I didn't want to draw attention to myself. And I thought that was the other voice. Chad, you're just drawing attention to yourself up there all tall and raising your hands. I'm telling you, the, the enemy has all kinds of things to talk you out of worship. He'll come up with some doozies and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's probably right. I probably better not raise my hands. Tell him to shut up and raise your hands and say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Now, you may not start out there. You may not start out that kind of worship. Maybe you start out like, okay, this is, this is a big deal. <laughs> Go with it. Go with it. I'm not criticizing. From your heart, just begin to offer something. What you offer may be different than what someone else offers, but offer him something that's a sacrifice to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're going to offer it. Where are we going to offer it? We're going to offer it on the altar. On the altar. What is the altar? An altar is a place of death or sacrifice in the Bible. Our offering to God will involve death of some kind in our lives, and I mean of our flesh. Whenever you offer something to God, it should require, it's on the altar, so it will require a death to your flesh, a death to your comfort, a death to your preferences. It's something that, oh, this is uncomfortable for me. I'm not sure about it. That's right. Just go and offer it on the altar and die to your flesh. That's what God is saying. If you want me to come and dwell with you, want me to come and be with you, you need to be able to offer something on the altar that hurts you a little bit. I'm, I'm, this is the kind of this is the gospel of the kingdom that's not been taught enough in the church. We just taught about comfort and blessing, make me feel good, preacher. Tell me something exciting that's going to make me feel better about my day. No, I'm going to tell you to come and die to your flesh and see Jesus come and move in your life. I know it doesn't feel good to me either sometimes, but it is the truth of the gospel. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Hey, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Yeah, yeah. The very symbol of Christianity is a cross. Yeah, We're supposed to die to our flesh. Romans 12, 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies or offer your bodies or make available your body as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. That seems like an oxymoron, alive and dead, all in the same thing. This is what he's talking about, that you present your body to God. I'm alive, I'm breathing, but yet I died to my flesh. So I sacrifice what I want for the sake of what he wants. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Holy, separated unto God, acceptable to who? Acceptable to, acceptable to God. Doesn't say anything about acceptable to Chad. Doesn't say anything about acceptable to my neighbor. It says I'm going to offer myself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. It's just our reasonable service to offer ourselves as a sacrifice to God. Galatians 5.24, and those who are Christ's, those who call themselves Christians, here's what Christian living is supposed to be about. 
contrary to popular belief, contrary to maybe popular teaching. And those who are Christ have done what to the flesh? They have... All right, see, when I pause, that means I want you to fill in the blank. And I usually have the blank provided for you on the screen. I go to a lot of work to create these slides. I underline and highlight and italicize them. Try it again. Just kidding. <laughs> and those who are Christ, those who are Christians have crucified. crucified the flesh. It doesn't say pacified the flesh. It doesn't say pampered the flesh. It said crucify it. What does that mean? The word crucify means to impale. Like Olaf. Sorry, a little frozen joke. <laughs> Impale, to extinguish or execute. So what are we supposed to do with the flesh with its passions and desires? We're supposed to execute them. We're supposed to extinguish them, impale them. Does that sound like we're kind of being gentle with them? Does that mean like we're just trying to work through them and kind of work no, we're supposed to crucify it. If we're struggling in an area of our flesh, I'm talking about ongoing struggle over a long period of time, usually the reason is because we've never crucified it. I'm not talking about struggling with something for a little while while you're trying to walk something out. There's, there's that part. But if I'm struggling for something on and on and on and on and on, it's because I've never crucified the flesh. If we're struggling with an addiction or struggling with pornography or struggling with unforgiveness or struggling with whatever it may be, at some point we need to realize our responsibility as a Christian is to crucify the flesh. If I'm struggling with looking at those images, then I need to impale and execute that fleshly desire. I don't know. I'm just really struggling with it. I'm not struggling. I'm looking at it. I'm not being harsh. I'm, I'm being realistic. This is what we need to do. We need to execute it. We need to crucify it. We need to take it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do it without you, but I execute that desire right now at the cross of Calvary. Living the Christian life is about continually offering our lives on the altar to Jesus. So let's look what it says here. Let me go ahead. So now this, uh, verse 38, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. You're going to offer it on the altar. Here's what it's going to be. Two lambs of the first year. Now explain what the word lambs means. The word lambs is actually the Hebrew word for ram or male. You're supposed to offer two males, two male lambs or rams, if you will. The, the females were saved for birthing and for milking and things like that. They didn't offer females uh, on this burnt offering sacrifice. So you're going to offer two rams of the first year. Why is that significant? And again, we understand what the, if we'll understand what the Bible says, we're going to see that this points to Jesus. He said, I want you to offer two rams, and it goes on to tell us one in the morning and one in the night, and of the first year. What does it mean of the first year? So they have to be of one year old. One year old. Why is that important? Because the one-year-old ram or lamb is in prime age condition. It's not too young, it's not too old, 
but it's in prime. It's the best time to eat it. It's the best time to sell it or trade it to get uh, something back for it. That is the prime condition of the first year, and that's when God says, I want you to offer that one. Why? Because he wants our best. He wants our best. Jesus was the Lamb of God, the firstborn of many brethren. He was the best, and God offered him his son. You know, we might be, hey, could it, this is my best. This thing just got a year old. This is prime. Oh, this perfect, wonderful, wonderful lamb. Hey, how about that one over there? It's limping around all the time. Hey, bring that one over. Let's offer that one. Or can you bring that old crusty one that we don't care about anymore? Can we bring that one? This is what we get where we start offering God less than our best. We negotiate down. And we don't, well, I could give, I don't want to give him the best of my time. I'll give him the leftovers right before I'm getting ready to go to sleep. I'll give him that time. No, give him your best time. When are you the most alert? Give him that time. When are you most engaged for the day? Give him that time. I'm just giving you examples on how we can apply it. Two lambs of the first year. God's asking for something valuable. Look, let's go and read the, read the next part of the verse. Two lambs of the first year. How often are you supposed to offer them? Day by day, continually. Day by day, continually. How often are you supposed to do this sacrifice? Day by day, twice a day, continually. The word continually there means constant, regularly, and perpetual. Day by day, day by day. Day by day. That's not just on Sunday. When are we supposed to offer our lives to Jesus? Day by day. We're supposed to do it continually and regularly and perpetually. In other words, you just get in a habit, I just offer my life to Jesus every day. Not on Sunday, day by day. That's what he's teaching us. When do, when, do I, when do I put myself on the altar and say, God, you can have my life? Day by day and continually, you never stop. Never stop. Never quit. Well, I'm going through a tough season of my life. I know, climb on the altar and let Jesus walk you through it. I know I screwed up. I made a big mistake. I know, climb on the altar and let Jesus help you walk it out. But get on the altar every single day. Get on that altar and say, God, here I am. My weakness, my flesh, my good, my bad, my ugly, it doesn't matter. Day by day, I get back up and say, here I am, Lord. Continually get on the altar. One lamb you shall offer in the morning. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. So you're going to do it in the morning and do it at, the ni at night. Continually, every day, every day, every day, every day. How often are we supposed to sacrifice? Every day. Paul says this, I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die. I got it on the screen. I'm sure I do. Try it again. I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die. Daily. 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 Just, just on church days, just, just when everybody knows what's going on? No, daily, every day, I die to my flesh. I die to my preferences. I die to my insecurities. I die to my fears. I die to what I want, and I live for what you want. It's what God's calling us to. So I die daily. So he says that uh, you offer one in the morning, one at night. What does that speak to? That means I should give God my first thoughts when I wake up. And I give him my last thoughts before I go to bed. This is what our relationship with Jesus was supposed to be about. 
As soon as I wake up, oh, Jesus, what do you want to do with my day? Here you go. I'm going to go to sleep. Lord, just thank you for this day. I pray that I will dream about you tonight. Morning and night, giving him our best. Look what it says in the next part, though. I love this part. Verse 40. With the, with the lamb, all right, so we got our lamb that we're offering, one year old, shall be, with it, shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour. What is that? All this, remember, it points to Jesus. Flour is part of this offering. Flour represents the body of Jesus. What did we eat in communion? We had cracker, bread, flour. You're going to see a picture of Jesus right here in this offering. We're going to have a flower representing the body of Jesus. The word flower means strip, finely ground flour, grain crushed into powder, pure flour. He wants nothing but the best. He wants nothing but pure flour. That's what he's wanting to offer. Then with the flour, he also mixes in one-fourth of a hen. This is just a measurement, a hen of pressed oil. What kind of oil? Pressed oil. God doesn't just say, bring me some oil with this flour, but I want pressed oil. What does that mean, pressed oil? The word pressed means, are you ready for this? Beaten, pounded, and crushed. Jesus. That's what I want to give my life. Beaten, pounded, and crushed. This is pertaining to olives being beaten, crushed, and then gravity drained, producing the first pure virgin olive oil. How do you make olive oil? You take olives and you beat the tar out of them. You squash them. You press them. Push on them. Pressure until squeezing out of them a little bit of oil. All this pressure going against that poor little olive. But the olive's existence is not to be put on pizza. It's a little joke. Sorry. It's to be pressed into oil. And so now, here's what God's saying. I, I was praying about 2022, and God said, uh, Chad, it's going to be the year of pressing. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but I was hoping for something a little more uplifting after 2021, 22. And he said, your focus is on the wrong part. He said, you can either focus on the pressure that's going to come against you in 2022, or you can focus on what's going to come out of you because of the pressure. That's the year of pressing, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be difficult because there's going to be pressure that comes against us. But body of Christ, wake up to this is what the gospel is. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be pressing against you. You're going to go through adversity. But if you go through it with Jesus, oil's going to come out, pure oil, and it's going to be the presence of God in your life. This is what we want. We want more of the presence of God. So I'm going to have to go through some pressure in order to get it. So they got oil. Sometimes you got to squeeze something to get the good stuff out of it. Anybody like lemon in their water? What do you do as soon as you get that lemon wedge in your glass? You take it and <laughs> squeeze it. Why? Because you want the lemon juice. There's some stuff on the inside of you that God has to <laughs> gotta squeeze it. Do I like it? No. But I do want what he wants to come out of my life. 
So I, Lord, don't make me, don't let me be comfortable. Squeeze all the goodness out of me. Squeeze out of me what you want to do in Jesus' name. Well, don't pray prayers like that. I want what God wants to come out of me. I'm not afraid of a little pressure. I'm not, I don't like it, but I want what's going to come out of it. I want to be pure oil. I want to be pure olive oil. So now let's go. In a pressed oil. So now what happens when you put flour and oil together? What do you get? You get a biscuit. So we've got a lamb. This is on a fire now. Look what happened. We got a lamb. We got flour and oil. So we got a biscuit going. And then we got one fourth of wine as a drink offering. Now hold up. So we've got the lamb representing Jesus. We've got the flour representing the body of Jesus. We've got the oil representing the Holy Spirit. Now we've got wine representing the blood of Jesus. And we, so we've got communion together here. You've got the flour and the wine. That's communion. We've got the oil for the Holy Spirit. You put the, wine, the flour and the, and the oil together. You've got a biscuit. You've got a lamb. You've got wine to drink. All this. What does this look like? It's a meal. Do you see it? This is every day God is saying, I want you to come together. I want you to bring a lamb. I want you to bring some flour and some oil. And I want you to bring some wine. And I want you to put it together. It is a meal that God wants to have with them every day, twice a day. He wanted to hang out with them. He wanted to eat with them. I'll give you some scripture for it. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What is Jesus wanting to do? He's wanting to eat with us. So you take it, you take this flour, lamb, oil, and wine, and you pour it all together and put it on this fire, and the fire starts to consume it, would start to consume this sacrifice on the altar. What did that represent? That represented Yahweh eating what they offered him and consuming it. It was like he was accepting it or, or saying he was pleased with it and he ate it and he consumed everything that offered him. And this is what God's wanting to do with you and I. He's wanting to spend time with us and hang with us and be where he just consumes what we offer him. He consumes our worship. He consumes our praise. And all of a sudden the Bible says here, let me read on the next verse. It says that when that begin to be burned together... And the lamb you're going to offer at twilight, you offer the grain offering, the drink offering is in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Here's what God was doing. He said that aroma, I'm not sure what burnt lamb, oil, flour, and wine smells like, but I'm not sure we would make cologne out of it. But anyway, it was a, to God, it was a sweet aroma to its nostrils because someone willingly offered something on the altar to him. And he goes, oh, that word sweet aroma, here's what it means. It means pleasant, soothing, that which brings reconciliation, peace, and relationship between two parties. As we enter our prayer and fasting time, let me tell you this, and we're going to do something here in a moment, give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. When we offer something on the altar, our flesh, we offer it to God, God smells something dead, something burning. And that smell to him is reconciliation. Why is that? Here, don't miss this point. Mm. When they offer this on the altar to God, 
God smelled their desire to please him more than please themselves. And so that sweet aroma to his nostrils, this is why God loves the smell of dead things. That's why he loves the smell of death in my life, death to my flesh. Not, not don't get it twisted, not like God loves when I suffer. That's not what I'm talking about. He loves when I choose him over anything else. When I offer Chad's preferences in my marriage situation or my relationship with my wife and I want something and she wants something different and I don't like what she's saying, I don't like what she's doing, I want my way and I want it now. I know this is none of you, but I'm just... And in that moment, I say, Jesus... I die to what I want and I yield to her. He goes, what is that smell? Thank you, Chad. I'm not saying I do it all the time. It's probably a rare smell. I just don't, I don't ever like people to think that, you know, my life is separate from yours like I don't struggle or but I'm telling you when we choose Jesus it's a sweet aroma to him so here's what the Lord told me to do today as we're entering our prayer and fasting time I realize to some this might not be a very exciting hype message but if we'll read ahead, and, and we'll get there, in, in verses 45 and 46, he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell with him. I want, our heart at the Rhodes Church is for the presence of God to dwell here. But first comes the altar and sacrifice. First comes a dying to our flesh saying no to anything less than God and climbing on that altar every day and say, God, I just want what you want. Do we do it well all the time? No, we don't. We're, well, there's going to be days where we're not successful. What do I do? Get back up on the altar the next day. Just get on there again. Get on there the next hour. I blew it. I didn't yield. I didn't yield to what Don wanted. I didn't go. I stood up for myself and I, I, I fought for my rights and my justification and I blew it. We got in an argument. It didn't go well. Get on the altar and die again. So as we go into 2022, I'm just trying to lead our church towards Jesus. I don't want you to follow me. I keep saying that over and over. Please don't follow me. Follow Jesus. We need him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.